COVID-19 has laid bare an undeniable fact. The people hardest hit are those who already lack resources, have limited access to quality social and clinical care, and in some cases are one paycheck away, or even worse, from putting food on the table or paying the rent. Study after study shows that people who are suffering the most, both medically and economically, during the pandemic are the ones who were underserved before the global crisis became reality. Tune into our next episode to learn from Dan Brillman, CEO of Unitas, and how he and his team are using their proven infrastructure to align all stakeholders from healthcare, government, and the community around a shared goal to improve health, especially during the coronavirus outbreak. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Dan, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. Thanks for having me. Well, Dan, I'm eager to dive into our very important discussion today, as I know our community will benefit greatly from your inspiring work and to also understand some of the pivot you and the team put in place due to the pandemic. But before we dive into all of that, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment and visit passionatepioneers.com in order to share your feedback and ideas. Simply scroll to the comment section at the bottom of each posted episode. And lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. You will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, Dan, I first got to start by saying thank you. Thank you for your service. I know you've been serving our country for a number of years now by way of being a fighter pilot. So we're going to start right from there. I'm fascinated by flying pilots and jets. What's that like? What's it got to be like being in that cockpit? Yeah, I would say, you know, 13 years ago when I started doing it, it was definitely, you know, the most exciting thing you can think about, and especially all the training that you go through. And, you know, as you do any job over the years, there are amazing parts about each flight. And at the same time, it's a job and it's a mission. So, you know, a lot of things become very standard. So sometimes I explained to folks that, you know, when you're doing midair refueling, as an example, and going up there, sometimes it feels like a video game that you're just doing over and over again. But if someone else saw it, they would be, you know, pretty scared for the first time seeing, you know, a plane within 10 feet of another plane. But it's definitely the exhilarating parts of every flight and fun parts that you always learn from, which is the most exciting part about being a pilot. So I'm fascinated by this. We can make a whole podcast just out of this topic because I have so (laughs) many questions that I want to ask. But I'm going to ask two and then we're going to get after it. So one, is it as tight as it looks inside that cockpit? I mean, it looks like you guys are slammed in there. Yeah, in small planes, it's very tight. There's not much wiggle room. You bring some food and things like that, but you get used to it. They, you know, I went through a year and a half of just training in those planes when when you've never been in one before, so you get pretty used to it. And have you, last question, I promise, have you gone straight up in the air with your jet? Uh, Yeah, of course. Especially in training days, you practice all of those things, including scary things like spins, where you learn how to get out of a spin. So you have to go straight up before you go down and practice those, but obviously loops and, and everything like that. It's all part of the training. I mean, of course, you know, gradually climbing and ascending in the plane, that's kind of boring, but if you can go straight up immediately, 
Man, that sounds so cool. So that's awesome. Well, <laughs> again, Dan, I, like I said, we could turn this into an entire podcast. I'm so fascinated by it. But in all seriousness, thank you for your service and everything you've done for our country. And speaking of service, we're also going to talk about your incredible company, Unite Us. And we're going to discuss some of the things we're going to focus in on today are around what you've done as an organization to pivot towards COVID-19, pivot towards, you know, answering the call for this crisis, this generational crisis, this once in a lifetime event that hopefully will be once in a lifetime event that we've seen. But let me set the stage for just a moment and we'll let you dive in. So for over seven years, you and the team have been strategically building the technological infrastructure to allow for secure information sharing between community network providers, enabling them to send and receive electronic referrals and to track outcomes together to ensure people are getting the care they need. Can you give us first that high level of Unitas, how it came together? And then from there, I really want to dive into where you pivoted, how you did it in order to help address this issue that is COVID-19. Sure. So, you know, seven years ago, we actually started focusing on veterans because it's close to our heart. We knew the market really well. And really with the foundational belief and validation, of course, too, that Healthcare, government, and social services were all serving the same veterans and their family members, but no one knew about it. And so it wasn't just about, you know, how do I connect someone to a service? How do I address a social need? It was around how do I get these organizations communicating together in a secure ecosystem that allows everyone to stay on the same page with the most important part about focusing on an outcome. And, you know, the reason we started is Taylor, my co-founder and I were trying to help veterans that we served with. And it was so fragmented trying to help them. And, you know, at the end of the day, what we wanted to know is, did they ever get the help they needed? And it was always a multitude of services. It was never just one thing. And so, you know, for the last five years and seven years since we started, the industry talks about connecting people with resources and social determinants of health. And that's always been, you know, foundational to our work. And those words are important. But the means in which we do that is key. The focus on outcomes is paramount. And then doing that across 40 states where we operate now I think is showing where the industry is going. So where the industry has moved very quickly and why COVID, and when we'll get to that is really important, is because people talk about, you know, lists of services or a supply and demand issue, which of course it is about that at a macro level, but it's more than, you know, how many people search for what. We are talking about at the granular local level where you and I live and where we need services, what's actually happening and the quality and accountability of the delivery of services. So that requires a few very foundational things. One is that is very secure data exchange between these entities that don't talk to each other electronically. And then the second part is how do you programmatically get these organizations standardized? What does an outcome even mean? And when people talk about that infrastructure, that is, those are the things that are required. And then you build upon those, which we'll talk about as we get into COVID-19, which has been an exciting moment for us to help people in need. Well, thank you for that overview, Dan. I really appreciate it. And we'll be sharing some contact points with the community towards the back end of where they can find more and and to get involved in this incredible work that you and the team have been up to for quite some time now. But so let's pivot towards COVID. You know, you had a beautifully written blog post over at the health website, the HLTH, and really discussed this pivot back in May of 2020. Can you first describe how did that happen? Where were the aha moments? What was it like in the boardroom to say, okay, team, here we are, crisis is in front of us, let's pivot Let's start focusing some of our energy and opportunity to help solve for this. Take us into that war room, if you will, making those decisions, what that was like, and then we'll dive into what those decisions actually were. How's that been in practice out in the marketplace? But take us to that moment of making those decisions. Sure. So first and foremost, you know, the decisions are not just me. We have an amazing team of 270 people 
that have really good ideas on how to address that. And it came back to, you know, what can I lead from our end and our vision is to ensure that, you know, our platform and this infrastructure is across the country into every health and human services hands. So how can we do that in a world that was unsure of where the future was going at the beginning of a pandemic? And so that really took our team to say, where can we invest heavily? Where uh, there's two places, obviously, that come to mind immediately where uh, we did that. But of course, you know, for, we've added nine or 10 states since the pandemic started. So that hasn't stopped. But, you know, one is New York City where that came close to our heart. So our point to that was, what can we do to accelerate the work that we're already doing? That was one part. The second part is, what can we capture and how can we help the stakeholders who are having issues tracking data? or providing services because, you know, everyone only provides one or two services max, like a hospital provides medical. So how can we help them address the pandemic in a way that's effective for them, but also not making them go out of their scope? How can we collect more data where, and I'll talk about that. And third is how can we use that data to get ahead of that? And I'll bring up an example around eviction where it's, you know, getting ahead of that and seeing what's happening with, from utility assistance data to an actionable result where a community in Louisville, Kentucky, we helped set up a what we call a coordination center to address specific needs around eviction, you know, immediately to get ahead of the evictions that were coming because that would have been exacerbated if we didn't do that. So we can talk about those in three phases. And what came from our team were solutions. And I'll name a few of them. One is we wanted to capture data at community-based organizations around COVID-related needs. So, you know, people had needs before COVID, but which ones were exacerbated or because of the pandemic. So it's one thing for the industry or someone to say, oh, food needs, they went up. So we all know that. Which ones were related to COVID? Because that's a very specific point because we look at, you know, the demographics and things because we can tie unemployment and things like that to different populations based on the needs that they have related to COVID or not. The second one is exposure to COVID-19. And we think of that in a medical lens, you know, when we watch TV and testing, but really what we empower when this infrastructure is in place is for all the social service agencies in the network, including hospitals as well, everyone in the network to be able to capture this type of information. And what we set up for success was the ability for social services to capture this exposure before our hospital ever knew about it. And because the system that we built is built around a shared client and a secure patient record with a lot of nodes and a lot of information around the client that's securely protected, we capture a lot of information at the food pantry, which the hospital wants to know. Insurance companies want to know that. Public health and governments want to know that. So these are the types of things that we got implemented very, very quickly because we had the infrastructure in place, which was the baseline things we were talking about earlier, which is electronic referrals, outcome tracking between all these partners. And thank you for that, Dan. And so how was that rolling out? So you made that, you, like you said, it, it was a team decision. And I appreciate that being a team guy myself and rallying the company around some of these pivot points to really focus in on, you know, answering the call for our country. So you make these decisions, you outline some of what those decisions were. How was the rollout? As you know, as well as I do, there's never a straight line in building a startup where there's some roller coaster moments, where there's some things that did work, didn't work. How was the rollout for Unite Us to answer this call and helping our country battle this pandemic? Yeah, I think what's interesting is all of our partners were really receptive to the rollouts. And I think because the simple answer is we're all humans and they all didn't know what was going on and they wanted answers, right? They wanted any solution in their hands because no one knew what the answer was and what to do with the pandemic in full. And we had answers for them. 
And so they were all very receptive to that, you know, to the point where when we rolled it out, I would say the ass kept coming, right? What more can we do? What more can we do? What reporting can we do on this? You know, like the ass, I think, was after the rollout was the hard part because we had to go so fast and then we had to catch up after. And the good news is this is all coming from our community partners, which is great. That means that they were getting value out of it. It was helping them. And at the end of the day, you know, we had to continue to respond, which I think is we continue to do even to this day as the pandemic continues. Wow. Were there any hiccups? Were there any like false starts? You know, what was some of the, you know, in the trenches, you know, like I said, there's never a straight line in building a startup. Were there some parts where you thought, yeah, that would work, but it didn't? Like, give us some of those gory details along the way as well that were difficult. And then you overcame them as well to help, again, those stakeholders. Yeah. We had a very bold goal in the state of North Carolina. We work with DHHS and United Way and most of the hospitals and the payers and, and thousands of social service agencies, but across 100 counties. And our goal was by the end of this year, back in, and now we're back to March, by the end of 2020, we wanted to roll out in all 100 counties. And the biggest challenge for us was we wanted to accelerate that. And the question was, can we go do it? And so that means we have people on the ground and they're talking to these social services, getting them on the network so that they can start working together around shared clients. And so accelerating that was a very difficult proposition for the company. You know, it wasn't that it was asked for by, we want to get people help, right? And this is the time to be able to do it. And so accelerating that was a challenge and we overcame it. We did it six months in advance. We got thousands of organizations on, we hit all hundred counties. And, you know, that was important for all the stakeholders, including FHLI, which is the foundation the state of North Carolina, up to the governor promoting this. And so that was a big challenge we took on, but accelerating and, you know, this infrastructure build across the entire state much faster during a pandemic was very challenging, but also we overcame it, which is great. The second one is in New York City. So New York City is a very fragmented landscape. And I think it's a huge city and it's just a big one to tackle. And so in this response, you know, we wanted to start do what we call a rapid response network where we want, we had core partners in public health solutions and Air NYC, these community partners who are already working with some of these hospitals. We wanted to accelerate that. We didn't want to monetize it. It wasn't about, it was about, this is our home. This is where our headquarters is. We want to help people and doing that and getting that off the ground very quickly within weeks and getting a hundred plus partners on the network. And after doing that, making sure that it's performing really well and has a 93% acceptance rate of electronic referrals, meaning 93% of people are getting enrolled in services and within a few days, you know, that's amazing stuff during a pandemic. And that was happening in March and April. So these are challenges we took on and, you know, they definitely have ebbs and flows because of our platform and our approach is multi-stakeholder. There's always going to be, you know, tough calls and tough conversations, but people, I think during the pandemic wanted answers and I think they got them from us. All right. I'm fired up, man. I'm ready to come over there and run through some walls for you. <laughs> it's just, I, this is why I love, and I'm so fortunate and humbled to be able to work alongside leaders like you across this country and startup founders and executives and just digging in, figuring out a way to make it happen. It is just so inspiring. So thank you for taking myself and our community through that journey. Dan, let me ask you, with this pandemic, do you see either all part or all of your business being forever changed? I mean, have you seen things that you're not going to go back to what, how it used to be. And I'll keep that high level broad for you, but are you seeing some changes within the organization that will be moving forward even after this pandemic? Yeah, I think when we moved to all remote, 
it was definitely a change for us because we have a hundred plus people that are MPHs, MSWs that are local across these 40 states. And so, you know, relationships are very key and important to how you do this work. And the important part is it still worked and we still did it via Zooms and all that stuff with community partners. And the future, you know, of that is it's going to stay the same. Now we'll get back to community meetings in person and we'll do those things as we come. So that's not a foundational you know, change for us. It's something we've had to deal with over the last six months and it's been very efficient and very successful. The future though, I think how the business change is, it's going to accelerate this industry and it's going to accelerate it at different levels. It's accelerating it at the federal level, at the state level and at the community level. And so I think that's going to be the biggest difference between what happened before the pandemic and what happened after. And it's not that social determinants is, you know, now the coolest term, it was always a priority, but now it is really here to stay. And I think it manifests itself in a different way in the sense that you're going to get, you were seeing states, we have eight or nine states that have come to the table in the last six months where we're building now, which is, I mean, unbelievable in a time of a pandemic because what they've exposed and what they've seen is that the government can't take this on, but yet they need a solution for public health. They need a solution. What I asked about before is the connection between all of these entities electronically, the tracking of what's happening to be able to move upstream and not just connect people with food because if it's from a hospital and an emergency room visit, it's already too late, right? So we need to really moving upstream and that means you're getting pressure and pressure in a good way, meaning federal state governments are saying these are the solutions that we need. It is not about, you know, how do we just connect people through, you know, electronic directory. It is around how do we actually electronically connect everyone together so that we can measure all of this stuff and be able to build things like an exposure assessment in a food pantry and be able to track that and having a hospital see that when they need to see that. So you're going to see a lot of that come from the top down, which I think is, if I look back to 10 plus years ago, that's similar to moving to electronic health records. But now there's just a bunch of different stakeholders related to it. And then the second part that's going to accelerate it is the funding mechanisms to this. And that looks like 30 years ago when behavioral health was a stepchild of healthcare. And now no one will question that behavioral health or mental health is a paid for service. And so I think that's going to be the future of where this goes as well. Well, thank you for that. And it it is true. Things are going to move. We're not going to go back to some of the old state. It just can't happen. I mean, we are moving and accelerating at incredible speed right now. Some good, some bad, but hopefully the good will continue on. We can build on it from there. So thank you for sharing that, Dan. Before we wrap up, and we can ask uh, where we can find you online and all the good contact points for you and the team. We do have a lot of other innovators, startup founders that tune into this podcast and are part of our community. From your experience, like you said, you've been running Unitas now for over seven years. And then of course, right into the face of a pandemic, do you have one or two or three coaching tips or tricks for our other founders or startup uh, entrepreneurs for them as they continue to work through this, you know, incredibly changing time for all of us? as they continue to build their startups? What are some of the lessons learned from your camp? Yeah, the first one is in healthcare, it takes time. It's not gonna happen immediately. There's two parts within that. And one is you have to work with the customer and know thy customer, meaning you gotta get close to them. You have to understand the pain points you're solving for. We made many mistakes seven years ago, just starting. Even before we launched, we had the wrong product. We shut it down and, and started with you know, really focusing on B2B exchange and patient data securely and all that stuff. So this stuff takes time to find the right fit and that's okay. And the second one is, you know, to get to that point, you need the right team. I have no healthcare experience. 
but we know our vision. We have not strayed from that vision. We always will stick to that, which allowed us to you know, really rapidly focus during the pandemic and be able to offer those things. And so, you know, to the point is, you know, stick with the vision, but, you know, be prepared to pivot, but have the right team to be able to do that because you just can't do it yourself. Bravo. I stress that time and time again with the startups and the founders that I'm fortunate enough to work alongside and mentors. It's all about the team and the people you surround yourself with. I mean, it's so important. So thank you for sharing that, Dan, and rooting our fellow startup entrepreneurs on. We do appreciate it. Well, let's start winding it down here so we can get you back to the really important work. Where are some contact points online that our community can find you, whether it be you know, LinkedIn, website, social media handles, or otherwise? Yeah, sure. So uniteus.com is the best one to go to. Unite Us HQ on Twitter. I can always chat with us there as well. Those are the two best places to go. Excellent. We'll leave those contact points in the episode notes for Dan's episode here. If you're listening via your favorite podcast player, just simply scroll down into the podcast episode notes. You'll be able to find those contact points. Also, there will be a post over at passionatepioneers.com where you can also leave some comments, suggestions, ideas for Dan and his team to review. So again, over at passionatepioneers.com. Well, Dan, thank you so much for taking a pit stop, spending time with us and our community and sharing all the wonderful work happening within the Unite Us campaign and mission and work, all of the incredible work happening over there. We're going to continue to root you on. Know that we're here for you. Let us know, keep us updated and keep up the incredible work. But for now, thank you so much for being with us today, Dan. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That was great. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.